Welcome back, listeners, to the next season of Batman University. That's right. It's me, your internet buddy, Tony Sindelar. Uh, and we're back with more episodes of Batman University. Uh, this is the, the second year of the Batman University podcast, a sub-podcast of the TV podcast on the Incomparable Network. And we're doing things a little bit uh, more ex- more exciting, different this year. As we go into our second year of study, uh, we're expanding the scope of uh, the Batman media that we will be, we will be looking at. Uh, so you will, there will be some episodes where we'll probably talk about some Batman uh, the animated series, but we're going to be we're going to be expanding it and talking about other ancillary Batman uh, DC animated uh, media. And today, uh, a returning scholar to Batman University, uh, my partner in crime from the Flash Flashcast and uh, uh, noted uh, tech journalist, it's Lisa Smyser. Hi, Lisa. Hi, it's such a pleasure to be back. Uh, guest lecturing, I guess, at Batman University. The, the, the metaphor is uh, is thin at best, so you know. Maybe don't... convening a panel on Batman studies. Yeah, it's you know, what, however, <laughs> however you want to work your way into that. Uh, like, certainly, there's there is not a professor student dynamic here. This is we're all no. scholars, um, you know. So this is a like peer reviewed Batman discussion. Yeah. Before setting the bat syllabus for the bat students. Yes, mm-hmm. in the bat classroom. Yes. Uh, and as, <laughs> as I mentioned at the, the top of the podcast, uh, we are not going to be talking about a Batman anime series episode, but we will be talking about uh, Batman uh, because uh, Lisa uh, suggested that we watch uh, not one, not two, but three uh, episodes um, and we'll, t- we'll talk about why three, uh, very soon. Uh, we watched two episodes, uh, of the Justice League, uh, a two-parter called Wild Cards, and then an episode of Justice League Unlimited, uh, called Epilogue, which connects to those episodes. Um, so if you, those are, those are episodes you can find on streaming in a variety of places. I watched them on Netflix. Uh, it is because of the Justice League, Justice League Unlimited thing. You had to go to two different shows, which is kind of, kind of wacky, but that's just how it is. Uh, Justice League Unlimited, for those of you who are not, uh, hip to that is just a, basically a direct continuation of Justice League. And Justice League pretty much picks up where Batman, uh, the animated series and the Superman animated series left off. But with more superheroes, mm-hmm. um, some ep- there are episodes. I'll warn you in the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Uh, it is a cartoon I very much like. There are episodes without Batman, so you know there's your your warning. We didn't watch any of those today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lisa, uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, Wild Cards and Epilogue? The reason I picked those episodes is because I remember the first time I watched them and watching Batman interact with one of the Wild Cards named Ace, who is a young woman with tremendous psychic powers who's tremendously isolated and misused by the Joker watching him interact with her with tremendous empathy uh that really stood out for me and it illustrated the unique role Batman plays in the Justice League and um what I remembered the most was how the relationship ultimately ends and that's how I got that's how I bounced over to epilogue is because my faulty memory was like oh the end of the episode is all very sad and empathetic and then we switch to the plot line where hot girl and green lantern finally get it on and um no that is not you know the 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 scene i was thinking about was actually an epilogue and then when i watched that and saw how the ace story wraps up i realized that um the theme that had been embroidered through all three episodes actually carries through really beautifully and uh mostly that theme comes down to uh Batman perhaps being the only member of this conception of the Justice League who's able to leverage empathy towards the people of the world who are feared and bereaved 
through no fault of their own, um, precisely because he, he's capable of always going back to the worst moment of his life and bringing it forward to connect with other people. And you don't think of Batman as somebody who does a lot of connecting, but the truth is, as you see in these episodes, he really does. He's just not showy about it. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the depiction of Batman on, uh, on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, because uh, it is kind of this funny thing where Batman, not, not really a, a team player and not mm-hmm. really a leader, uh, but highly competent, and he does a lot of the behind-the-scenes work, right? Like, I mean, yeah. he mm-hmm. literally builds them, like, a space station, and he spends a lot of time, like, doing the grunt work and, like, staring at computer screens. It yeah. doesn't, doesn't seem like he's probably hanging out in the cafeteria too much, uh, yucking it up with Martian Manhunter mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he builds the space for everybody else yes. to make connections, and that's how he and then gets the out of the way. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. it's it's a remarkable way of if this is Batman who's who's trying to make connections and won't ever come out and admit it because there is part of him I feel that that is like, well, if I let somebody know that I really love them, then they will probably die too, and um, I can't have that on my conscience, so I will just make their lives as safe and as comfortable as possible. I will take on this responsibility. And um, the thing I really like, again, about Justice League and Justice League Unlimited is the people who know and love and like bats the best are the ones who get this. Um, You know, they understand this is how he connects with people and they accept it, which is even more key. They don't ever try to fix him. Mm-hmm. So quick uh, plot synopsis for uh, mm-hmm. those who haven't watched Wild Cards yet or haven't watched it recently. Uh, Wild Cards is a two-parter from the Justice League. Uh, the mm-hmm. the villain of the week is uh, the Joker who pops up. And basically in Las Vegas, he has planted a bunch of bombs. And the premise is that he's basically like, I guess, running a reality television show about the Justice League running around Las Vegas trying to uh, defuse the many bombs that he has planted throughout uh, throughout the city and to uh, thwart the Justice League uh, members that show up. He has uh, basically kind of broken out of jail um, the Royal Flush Gang. And the Royal Flush Gang is a reoccurring um, set of villains from the uh, mm-hmm. the DC world. Um, and they actually, like, I kind of like them because they get remixed in lots of different ways. Um, yeah. There's actually, I've seen it, I've seen one version where, like, they're literally like a Wild West just bandit gang. And uh, there's a version of them that appeared in at least I, I think they actually appeared twice in different versions in Arrow in episodes of the live action Arrow on the CW. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember the first uh, version of the Royal Flush Gang in Arrow was really quite sympathetic toward them. Yeah, and there's two separate versions of the Royal Flush mm-hmm. Gang in these three episodes we watched. There's another yeah. version in Batman Beyond where they're the futuristic version and. Uh, uh, the protagonist in Batman Beyond, Terry McGinnis, has like a love interest with one of them. Um, so like they keep popping up, and it's kind of like neat the different ver- Like I like that idea of like the only the thing prim- yeah. that, that holds them together is that there's like there's five of them, and they're playing card themed. They're know? like we have a really great trick, guys. We can just kind of make this work in the theme. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah. so Joker has these this group that he's busted out of Cadmus. Um, th- I I didn't know this, but I read about it on the wiki. Uh, they the the Royal Flush Gang here is is basically a direct homage to uh, the Teen Titans, and are mm-hmm. voiced by all the voice actors from the Teen Titans cartoon. So the Teen Titans is like your uh, your your it's a superhero team made up of sidekicks. Uh, so mm-hmm. Robin's the leader, uh, and, and then, Cyborg is in it. I think. Yep, and um, uh, Beast Boy. And uh, I'm forgetting. Kid that, Flash? Did they? I don't think Kid Flash. Kid Flash no. I don't think Kid Flash was in Teen t- Teen Titans. There's a magic user. Uh, oh, right. But they got the five. Yeah, the five Do they voice have actors. 
Is Starfire also in Teen Titans? I can't remember. I am not sure. That sounds possible, though. So yeah. So those the, the, the dynamic was three dudes, two two, yeah. two ladies. Um, yeah, and because when I watched this, I was like, oh, this is kind of a mirror of the Justice League, and now mm-hmm. it makes so much more sense. Um, so yeah, you've got Joker breaks these children who have been exploited for science out of Cadmus deploys them as a distraction and then the whole point is to get 70 million people watching tv where he will use his ace in the hole as it were the little girl ace to hypnotize people and make them crazy yep and that's it that is literally the plot is he's like i'd like a nation full of crazy people and like the great thing about that is you're like of course you would there's 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 what why not (laughs) it's senseless and awful um and uh, before it happened, but so I have a couple questions about that whole setup actually, because mm-hmm. she does do the mind control thing and it does get broadcast out. And you see that the Justice League members are having difficulty fighting it. We never really, and, and we see that people in the studio are, are hallucinating, like we never get any implication that it actually went across the airwaves and, and hit more susceptible people though. No, like, I feel like that it, detail is dropped. There's a, it's a bit of a plot hole. There's also kind of like mm-hmm. why I mean, like Superman and Flash immediately get kind of whammied by it, and mm-hmm. Batman seems to be like made of sterner stuff for for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed this episode, but it it's it's a it's it's a little thin on plot. There's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it. I there's not in my mind. There's not quite enough story here to cover a two episode two parter like it is. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of fighting, um, which is just not super exciting for me. It's, you know, watching, yeah. watching the Flash fight somebody, watching uh, Green Lantern fighting somebody, watching Hot Girl fighting somebody, Superman, etc. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of fighting. And, I mean, I guess for, for some comic book fans, that's, like, totally... They want to see, like, the different superpowered superheroes mm-hmm. fighting people. But there's a lot of that. And then... But, but the big buildup is, you know this final confrontation with, um, and you know, there's some nice stuff. There's some moments with, uh, Batman and Harley Quinn along the way. Um, yeah. but, but it is, it does kind of all lead up to this, uh, kind of emotional scene at the end, uh, mm-hmm. where the, the Batman, uh, basically reveals that the Joker is kind of a hypocrite and that, and mm-hmm. that he's got this device that he could use to control Ace in his pocket. Um, yeah. and then, and then he has the, that just like, I mean, it's like a, like one line interchange with Ace about like, where are you going to go? Um, that is like, that just feels like completely like, like, like a different world from this episode that we watched. It just feels like, you know, superheroes and supervillains punching each other for 20 minutes. Um, uh, well, it's, that is, that is affecting, I guess, because of that. Um, Well, it's a little, the, the episode when I was watching it again today, um, you mentioned Harley Quinn and this episode is deeply disturbing regarding her because she's a sidekick to Joker most through most of the episode. Um, he is oblivious to uh, callously indifferent to her physical safety, which is, you know, jeopardized mm-hmm. at, at several points. And when she comes back to talk to him, um, <clears throat> he backhands her across the studio and then, you know, quips about tough love. And I was watching that and I thought, how many people in the intended view- viewing audience got that it was basically a, a it was basically a one act play in the disturbing um brutality and intimacy of abusive relationships yeah you know it's it's genuinely upsetting when you think about it that you know it starts with her being a chatty little sidekick but the minute she the minute she does something 
that affects Joker. And I would add, not to the extent it affected, not to the extent that anything in that episode affects her. He backhands her and then steps over her like she's nothing and moves on to his next order of business. And it's always bugged me that their relationship gets played as comic and she's played as the, as the loopy sidekick and what have you. Because... Um, like her very origin is deeply disturbing and awful. Yes. And their re- and, and their relationship is deeply disturbing and awful. And um, you know, the thing I was kind of grappling with while I was watching this was it's played for laughs and Arlene Sorkin does great voice work. That like it's a spot on performance. But at the end of the day, you've got you've you've got a, a, a through line in the story where it's abusive boyfriend slaps around girlfriend, walks over her body to do something else. Yeah. So so there's that. Um and what I thought was interesting was Bat's interactions with Harley Quinn. Um, he, on the one hand, you could say he's kind of using her, he, he tries to redirect her her obsessive focus on the on the Joker so he can get to the Joker. But on the other hand, he's pointing out, look, he says nothing that's untrue. And he's almost compassionate when he's like, the Joker sells you out all the time. The Joker is replacing you. You were just a thing to him. And... Um, you know, it's not like, and he keeps most of the emotion out of his voice, but I, I, you know, when I watched it and then watched how he talks to Ace later, I was like, okay, Batman is, is, is he trying to save Harley Quinn? Is he hoping he can find some combination of words or? I think so. I, and I think, I think that continues. I think that builds off a theme of a couple Mm -hmm. episodes in Batman, the animated series where he does try to save her and kind of fails. Um, and you know, there is, the one episode, uh, it's possibly one of the most disturbing Batman the Animated Series episodes, Mad Love, um, that we talked about earlier on the podcast. Uh, and But it is, it's it's about uh, the Joker and Harley Quinn's relationship and like, you know, and like, kind of like, she gets pushed too far. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's disturbing. And it's like, it's, they it goes to some places that feel pretty uncomfortable for what is nominally like a show that is... Uh, in, that's target audience includes children um, because if you look yeah. at the relationship they're modeling um where it's oh it's funny because she's you know spunky and funny and devoted to him and he throws her a crumb every now and again and you know the fact that he gets so much attention and and it's so easy to write off the joker's behavior as well he's a jerk to everybody it's you know, again, Harley Quinn fundamentally disturbs me as an addition to the DC universe, mm-hmm. period. End of story. And to sidebar for a moment, she's part of the um, <clears throat> DC Superhero Girls lineup, which mm-hmm. is the group of dolls and books that's aimed at children um, my daughter's age and above. And here, um, she's basically the class clown and fiercely loyal to her girlfriends. And I do find it interesting that DC has been trying to rehab her image really aggressively and uncouple her from the Joker. Mm-hmm. So... I kind of hope we go in that direction, but you know, it's, it, we're going to have these reminders for years that she started off originally as the psychologically tortured abuse victim of yes. the Joker. <laughs> so. I did. I read uh, a couple of volumes. It wasn't totally my cup of tea, but I did read several mm-hmm. volumes of the uh, the Harley Quinn um, comic series, where it's just it's just mm-hmm. her, um, yeah. and it is pretty neat in that it is not really a superhero series. Like the premise is basically like Harley Quinn is going to go and start her own life. Uh, I think she's somewhere like uh, like on the coast, on like the New Jersey coast, 
and like inherits like an apartment building that she's the kind of like inept landlord for and she's oh, so it's still, like a hawkeye situation it's kind of except like way <laughs> more uh except more zany whereas hawkeye nominally takes place in like a realistic world uh mm-hmm. she like has you know like runs into trouble with like you know super spies and assassins and other kind of weird things and you know and uses mm-hmm. ultra violence to solve a lot of problems that uh maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. solve for but mm-hmm. it it wasn't totally my cup of tea but it, it did seem to do that like what do we do if we uh and then uh, it does at one point the joker comes back and i was just like ah it seemed like the whole point of the series was like harley off doing stuff without the joker so i felt like they didn't really need to do that but they did um so yeah it it, it seems there's there i think there's stuff with that character that you can do uh that, mm-hmm. that you could totally get away from that but it is hard because like that seems to be like they've got that that is they've yeah. they've really doubled down on that in terms of uh and you know the the Suicide Squad movie was uh, made a lot of choices as far as that goes, right? Yeah, that was yeah. the that was the thing. I keep trying to get through that movie, and it's just there. Well, there are so many mistakes, and that's yes. again a holder. But the way they've chosen to um, handle Harley Quinn, um, no matter how many mistakes the MCU makes with its supporting female characters. And I, and I use the word supporting female characters because I want to point out we're 15 movies into the MCU at this point. We have yet to have one helmed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how many mistakes they make with the supporting characters and uh, their motivations, none of them are Harley Quinn level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Faint so, praise. So, yeah, so, yeah. 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 You know, take it where you can get it. That's your gentleman's see. Um, yeah. But to get back to this, so in this mm-hmm. in this in this episode, basically Joker Joker manages to keep Ace on a fairly short leash with "I'm not afraid of you like the others are," and she wants acceptance, and so she goes along with his plans. Uh, and right until the moment where Batman shows that actually Joker is afraid of her, and he is willing to lie to her all the time, and he is willing to betray her, and that is when Ace decides that Ace is for Ace, which good for her, and. She makes him crazier than he is um, already and then turns, snaps back to sanity. And, and Batman's like, where are you going? Because, you know, it behooves him to figure out where a, a psychic child capable of reaming your mind is going to go. And she just goes, nowhere, and disappears. Yep. And and so I liked I liked that Batman didn't seem to be afraid of her. It was more, it was more a sort of, you know, I have to keep taps on you. And she's like, well, you can try. Um, but the thing that really cemented their relationship as it were for me was in the um, episode titled epilogue, which is uh, structured as a series of flashbacks when Terry is talking to a now elderly Amanda Waller and trying to figure out, you know, why four is my DNA Batman's DNA. And, uh, She's like, the world needs a Batman. And to justify her premise, uh, she tells the story of the time that Batman and Justice League get sent to kill Ace because um, Ace's powers have grown. She has a brain aneurysm. And she has now got to the point where instead of just making people crazy, she can manifest her other people's hallucinations. So you get crazy, like, hedges made of thorns and lightning and castles and things like that. Batman is like, fine, I'll, I'll do the job and takes the device that he's going to use to, in theory, kill Ace, goes in, she's swinging on swings and she comments that her new friends have disappointed her and she has not had fun playing with them and she did not have fun being used as a test subject and she never had a childhood, 
and her life is almost over. And Batman's like, I can commiserate with never having had a childhood. And she said, you are never going to use the device to kill me. He says, no. And she's like, I'm going to die soon. And he says, yes, you are. And she said, I'm scared. Will you stay with me? And so he does. He sits on the swing next to her and he holds her hand and he stays with her until she dies. And I found that scene tremendously affecting. Yes. <laughs> And I was watching it. I was watching it in the office today. I had to go in the office today to upgrade my computer. And as my computer is being rebooted and all the IT people are working on it, I'm watching this on my iPad. And I, to my horror, I begin tearing up in the office at that scene. You know, just the whole thing beginning to end, in part because um, the tremendous empathy and uh, the fact that when Batman is faced with somebody who can warp reality and make him crazy. All he does is connect to her, one scared, prematurely aged child to another, and keeps her company. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a pretty striking moment, and it tells you a yeah. lot about Batman. And, you know, Batman yeah. is not always depicted consistently um, within no. the same Batman media. And there's a lot of different versions of Batman. Uh, you know, sometimes he's much more kind of violent and rage-filled than <laughs> others. Other, other times he's kind of the more, like... Uh, calm and collected ninja uh, master, mm-hmm. um, but the Batman animated version seemed to err more on the like he, he, anger and rage don't seem to be the uh, the 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 things that drive him um, so much as just like how competent he is. Um, I feel like if he's got anger, what he's done is he's figured out how to make it work for him. Yeah, like he's he's figured out how to redirect it as motivation. Yeah, and it seems like this Batman is really into risk reduction, yeah. and you know his attitude is if. You know, like the Flash will get, well, the Flash will go run and get a kid a puppy after something terrible has happened. And Batman is like, we could skip the puppy running part and just like make sure nothing terrible happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, he's my favorite Batman depiction, to be honest. Um, I just like that the writers here, um, it's, it's Dwayne McDuffie who did that. Yeah. And, and, uh, he's always written Batman as a remarkably, um, functional human being, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Because sometimes he is he's depicted as more broken. I mean, Batman is 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 broken, but like sometimes he is overwhelmingly broken. Um, yeah. And the 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 DC animated versions seems to not buy into that as much. Yeah. Um, and so epilogue is a, is kind of an interesting episode. Um, for people who have not seen much of the Justice League or other DC animated stuff, I don't know if I would jump into it. Um, no, I like I this would not this little it. story that's told as a like. And it's like th- this episode is, is has got some kind of uh, flashbacks, and it's got this story within a story told by Amanda Waller, and I like the story within a story, but the other stuff around it would likely be um, somewhat bewildering uh, to people who are not familiar with a lot of the other DC animated stuff, because this so this episode is called Epilogue. This was intended as a possible um, final episode of Justice League, and then they got to, to do or Justice League Unlimited, and then they got to do a whole other season. So there's like another zillion episodes after this, but it's basically like because it references like three different animated yes. series though, between Batman Beyond, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited, and yes, and yeah. ba- and Batman the animated series basically too, right? So this was this is also basically because Batman the uh, ba- Batman Beyond never gets a real finale. This is the mm-hmm. finale for Batman Beyond, where like Terry McGinnis discovers like secrets. Uh, so, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you've never seen Batman Beyond, there's, like, a large component of this episode where, like, you won't care. There's a- Yeah, you're like, why does this handsome animated dude, why is he so angry at the responded Bruce Wayne? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I guess the larger point to the episode is that 
Terry realizes that the cliche of Batman as this brooding loner who pushes away everybody is precisely that. And what Bruce has always done is quietly, carefully built a safe space around the people he cares about. And mm -hmm. like at the end of the epilogue episode, you see he's done that because he, he's made soup for Terry and he nags him about eating before he goes out. And it's, it's just so evident that this is him saying in a thousand different ways, hey, you matter to me and this is why. And so this episode is a really nice way to explain that people may think Bruce Wayne as Batman is alone and he's not really. And Terry realizes that over the course of the episode too. And then decides, okay, I can actually navigate this whole Batman thing in a different way than Bruce. So I can learn from this and, and my, my experiences are different enough. But yeah, that's that's like graduate level Batman TV yeah. watching. <laughs> yeah, it, the, the whole, the Bat family is, is, is tricky um, because yeah. it's like, I feel like different writers approach it in different ways because cause sometimes mm -hmm. Batman is all alone. But he is frequently paired up with his, you know, with with a Robin. Or sometimes Nightwing mm -hmm. gets called in. The frequently the Batman Nightwing relationship is depicted as somewhat frosty, uh, you know, Batgirl, Batwoman. Like there's mm -hmm. there's um, there's all there's of these a confusing other... number of Batgirls and Batwoman yes. at this point too. Yeah, like there's a there's a Cassandra and a Kate and a Barbara and a Catherine yeah. and um, and yeah, so. Yeah. You know, so so there's that. I, I used to joke that the funniest thing about Wolverine the Loner was <laughs> he was in a billion comic books with a billion different team ups. And you can kind of make the same joke about Batman. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, again, the joke kind of falls down in examination when you see that Batman, when he teams up with somebody, it's usually along the, oh, God, I'm going to do this so you don't get yourself killed. And like slowly later, you get around to Batman needing to. Mm -hmm have some connection too and and you know and some of it is like marketing right i mean like sidekicks were basically invented to try and like mm -hmm. make makes these stories appeal to, to children by having more childlike characters in them um yeah. and you know in order to sell more action figures and have more titles you create more characters and, and a rotating cast of sidekicks and whatnot but but there is the bat family and like you know but for a for a loner Batman teams up with people a lot. Uh, All and, the time. And, and, you know, <laughs> that's... I, I like the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited series a lot for two reasons. Mm -hmm. One, there's just the wacky parade of villains and heroes. They, especially in Justice League Unlimited, they they intro like fifty zillion heroes that you've never, unless you're a deep comic nerd, you've never yeah. heard of. And you know, and guess what? Every every you, you can get one fun good story out of every comic book hero for the for adapting it for TV. Some of them mm -hmm. don't deserve like you know their own series. I mean, I think the question could hold down his own series, but guess what? He yeah. gets like three really good Justice League Unlimited episodes, and that's that's good. Um, mm -hmm. And they team him up with the Hunters, which feels totally wacky. Um, and yet it works. And it's, it so works. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so and um, you know, I think, and I say this is like who likes Arrow and generally feels mm -hmm. like uh, that uh, Stephen and all does a great job and all that. But Ken Schreiner's voice work on Green Arrow, I think, mm -hmm. kind of subconsciously set the template for the kind of approach this dude should have. And I, yeah. when I read the comics, I kind of look for that, that sympathetic resonance there too. But yeah, this is my favorite Batman. And yeah. um, I was thinking about, I was, so I've had a really cool to indifferent reaction um, to Batfleck. And um, he doesn't, doesn't do much for me. Well, over on a different podcast, Phil and I were initially theorizing that um, it's, it's because he's got doll's eyes, shark's eyes, eyes that are black and reflect no sympathy. That's just that's just the Boston eye look. We all have that after, you know, okay. you, it's, just, it's in the air, Lisa. I'm sorry. <laughs> OK, 
okay? And but I, I realized tonight, you know, after watching these episodes, and I was talking about them over dinner, um, since we are, of course, the most exciting and intellectual household. Um, I said, well, actually, here's the thing: is I said, as an actor, Ben Affleck has never come off as particularly empathetic. Like his best characters are always the ones where you're like, oh, that dude's a jerk store. Um, you know, oh, he's callow. Oh, he's he's awful. He's like Vince Vaughn without the charisma. Oh, God. And, oh, that's, that's harsh. <laughs> but the thing is, is a good Batman is an empathetic Batman. He becomes the Batman precisely because even when he's horribly bereaved and his life is irrevocably altered, when he grows up, his impulse is, I want to make sure I keep other people safe. I want to make sure no child ever goes through what I went through. So, you know, this is who he chose to be. And the the actors who can pull that off are actors who make good Batman, and mm-hmm. the ones who can't pull into that um, that internal compass and that 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 overactive sense of empathy, and then the defense mechanisms around it. You know, it's it then the, then you end up with like Clooney. Yep. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, I mean, I like mm-hmm. Batman a lot, but I would say the Batman success rate on film is like it's less than 50 percent with me at least there's 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 a lot of depictions of batman that just that don't work um, for if me. you re- have you ever actually ranked them uh you know i think i would have to go back and watch uh some movies that i don't really want to watch um yeah i did you know i think the the michael keaton one because i watched those movies recently i think it works better for me now than it did as a kid uh because yeah. he plays such a weirdo version of batman um, he does and that that appeals to me a little bit more than i think i that i i, I did mm-hmm. as a as a as a kid um but yeah uh, you know um george clooney is not not my batman <laughs> So sorry. Yeah, um, you're you're a very successful um, and very you know you with your handsome superstar good looks and your money somehow yeah. you'll cope. Um, you know. <laughs> well, you know, because I was thinking there have been there have been what four five at this point. Uh, four. I guess it depends I guess... how far we count. Like, do we count um, uh, Adam West? Um, no, no, okay. we don't. Because I feel like West is in a category by himself. Okay, so uh, we're doing modern era. Um, yeah or from not like 1990 uh, 19, right? yeah because um, i because because the, the four i was thinking of were keaton kilmer clooney mm-hmm. and bale yeah oh i'm five with batflex so that's yeah. five right there and um if i had to rank them personally um keaton is number one i think i and, would go with bale number one for me yeah um that that might be controversial, but I think Keaton, Keaton yeah. would be a close second for me, and I think yeah. he is. That has gone way up in the last couple of years. Yeah, um, I will say Bale makes a great Bruce Wayne, though. One of my favorite moments in the first um, Christopher in the Dark Knight mm-hmm. with, uh, was when you see Bruce deliberately turn on the Bruce Wayne Playboy persona. Mm-hmm. and and use it to alienate people and get them out of his space and i was like oh my no it's like great acting on, on i love the scene i think so it's much the, fun the to second watch. one where they're they're at some meeting and lucius fox is doing like all the work and they mm-hmm. like i think they like slow pan over and like bruce wayne is like asleep at the conference table at the end of the room um yeah <laughs> so so yeah it's um i think i think our one and two it's it's very mm-hmm. close for me and um then I would probably go with Kilmer. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even really sure at that point. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'd go Kilmer, Clooney, and then Affleck. And again, it's because I feel like Affleck... And, and again, there are roles where Ben Affleck does wonderfully, like Gone Girl. Because um, you're like, ooh, that, that, that hits all of the Ben Affleck buttons right there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he lacks 
as an actor, perhaps as a person, he's a bleeding heart, I don't know. But as an actor, he lacks the ability to successfully convey anything remotely resembling empathy. And, and I feel like a I mean, good Batman is an empathetic Batman. The writing probably has not helped. Uh, no. No. Like, I just, I don't really remember him expressing anything. I mean, is getting, like, yeah. thrown through a wall expressing anything about yeah. humanity? Um, yeah. yeah. So this is... um. <laughs> This is not really a spoiler for Wonder Woman, but I'll meep. Anyway, um, the movie begins with Bruce having sent Diana a photograph of herself from World War One with a very nice note saying, I thought you'd appreciate the original Bruce. And um, I thought, oh, that's that's very courtly and very polite of him. Maybe, maybe that's the version of the Batman we get, one where he kills you with good manners. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean that that, that is, so your favorite version of the Batman from the Snyder films is one that appear that does not appear so, on screen at all. Yes, yes that is yeah. my favorite Batman is the one who does not appear at all. Yes, <laughs> Batman without Batman. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you really like uh, things like that don't have Batman drill. in them, let me tell you about this TV series Gotham. You'll love it. Yes. Oh my! You know, I I have meant to start. I have meant to resume watching it. Just um, I got frustrated with it. And uh, I, I think I'm, I'm ready to give it a go again because I've, I've sliced the other frustrating TV series out of my life. So it is <sighs> such stupid garbage, and I love it because I'm mm-hmm. I, I am garbage <laughs> and I love garbage. It's uh, it is yeah, it's 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 great. Um, yeah. it, you know, it, the high point for me, spoilers for a past season of uh, of mm-hmm. uh, is what the high point for me as a plot point was when the penguin decides that he's infatuated with the riddler and oh then oh my god i've got yeah, to start watching just for was, that that, that it, sounds amazing it's amazing it can never quite re i don't know if it can ever hit that high point again and mm-hmm. the riddler has a love interest that the penguin like is you know wants to have her killed and then and like it like the the depiction of their falling out is so much more interesting than anything else that happens in that show um oh okay i'm gonna but, have to i'm gonna yeah. have to watch it that's all there is to it yeah. um but yeah no Ke- i mean i think if i had to rank all batmans everywhere kevin conroy yeah. is is f- far and away like i don't even have the words for the performance i don't know um and i haven't done any research where i've read interviews or found podcasts where people talked to him about the process and and what he thinks about this character how he preps for them or or anything like that but and, or how closely he worked with the writers, like how much of this came from him and how much of this came from direction. But the end result is phenomenal and, mm-hmm. and really consistently phenomenal across all of the episodes I've seen. Yeah. I will say I did not, I didn't, I actually, I went and checked because uh, the Joker's performance and Wildcard, I was mm-hmm. not very impressed by. And I was like, is this mm-hmm. Mark Hamill or is this someone doing a Mark Hamill? And it's mm-hmm. Mark Hamill, but I think it's it's a little, it's a little phoned in or, or maybe it was a little rushed compared to all of his other depictions of the Joker. Uh, Cause it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very broad even for to, that. Yeah. 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 Um, so having seen Lego Batman recently, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did find it really interesting that they basically made the subtext text in that, mm-hmm. um, in the sense where Joker's like, but uh, I'm your best enemy. <laughs> I'm your arch nemesis. And it, it, it like deeply matters to the Joker that he's Batman's peer in terms of I see you as my equal and my opposite. And, um, to me, like the best Joker episodes are the ones where he sees himself that way and he's infuriated. Other people don't see it quite like that. And in this one, this Joker is just a little too pleased with himself. Like 
despite the fact that none of the bombs go off and the Justice League easily takes out these people he professes to care about and everything, he's still like, ah, I'm doing great. And you're all, really? Really? I think you should assess exactly how this has worked out for you, buddy. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so I think these were a great ep- great set of episodes mm-hmm. because we do have this little plot thread that is technically told over two, two different series, but mm-hmm. over three separate episodes. And it does kind of show that, like, you know, Batman is comp- capable of compassion, which is like, a, mm-hmm. I don't know, a, a thing that fre- frequently gets kind of forgotten in that there's so many people mm-hmm. that, you know, his Batman's solution to a lot of problems is punching people in the face, right? Uh, it depends on who's writing him, though. I mean, and this is the same thing you can say about, about any character that has that kind of appeal where it's like, oh, he's brooding and dark and he has a sense of humor and is super competent. And, you know, that there, there's a lot of different ways to shade it. But this is my favorite favorite way to do Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it's a great choice. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Wild Cards is a little thin on plot until we get to that point. Um, epilogue is... Uh, almost feels like a completely different show. It's so dense uh, with, I mean, it's, it's got stories within stories and it's got, it's loaded with all these references to like, if you've watched like the previous hundred episodes of, of different DC animated things and are two different mo- there are literally references to two separate uh, uh, movies, Mask of the Phantasm and the Batman Beyond movie. So it's, it's like, it's, it, it definitely rewards someone who has uh, consumed all that. But if you haven't, you will probably be somewhat lost, and that may not, that may be a thing that may be a dessert to save for uh, for later after you've consumed more of the the DC stuff. Um, but you that's know, a good recommendation. Yeah. Yes, because I thought it was great, but I did I watched it with someone who uh, has has seen maybe half of the DC stuff, and there were a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so because there's a yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, there there is a mention about Batman Beyond, and you know, and like uh, cra- crazy Cadmus technology that the Joker uses, and there's all this stuff where it's like yeah, um, and you know, I I then stopped and summarized that entire Batman Beyond plot, which is and the plot of that Batman Batman Beyond movie is horrifying um so i don't know if you've seen that it's uh it's pretty disturbing um yeah so i'm i'm gonna have to well now i'm gonna have to obviously yeah um well uh listeners i hope you enjoyed uh, this and this is this is kind of your kickoff sampler for the idea that Mm -hmm. uh we're going to be looking at a couple different things uh this this season here at batman university uh Mm -hmm. you know i'm I'm still scheduling stuff but i'll tell you what i'm planning to do we'll see this is not a promise Mm -hmm. uh but there'll probably be at least one uh batman brave and the bold uh episode that we'll chat about uh Mm -hmm. somebody is forcing me to talk about uh an episode of superman the animated series uh (laughs) you'll find out who that is um i'm gonna see if we can can, uh, talk about the mask of the phantasm animated movie uh which you know i'd say that's firmly part of the batman animated series um and yeah we we have a bunch of other stuff and i'm still i'm still wrangling guests um but thank you for uh for tuning in and following up on this this podcast series that uh Mm -hmm. puts out my goal is to put out another eight episodes so eight episodes every summer a promise that i will keep until i don't um yeah, Lisa. Thank you so much for uh, for returning to Batman University and being our first uh, returning scholar, uh, and and showing us these uh, these three great episodes that we had a lot to say about. It was my pleasure. I had a great time. Thank you for asking me. Goodbye, nerds.
In the next episode, Jason Snow and I discuss the Batman Brave and the Bold episode, The Color of Revenge.